My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message I'm going to share with you today is the conditional and unconditional will of God. The conditional and unconditional will of God. God's will is what he plans to do. It's also what he wants to do. His unconditional will is defined by things that he is going to do without any conditions attached. He is going to do this. He is, I'll give you an example. He is going to express kindness to both the just and the unjust by sending rain on the earth. I have decided that whether you are evil or whether you are good, you are going to experience the benefits of rain. He has decided that whether you are evil or whether you are good, he's going to continue to put breath in your lungs for an allotted period of time. He himself puts breath in your lungs. In Job chapter 12 verse 10, it says, The life of every living thing is in his hand and the breath of every human being. This is the unconditional will of God. Doesn't matter how many demons in hell want to kill a person, that breath will continue to go into that person until he decides, okay, this life is over. It's the unconditional will of God. He has decided that this is what is going to happen. But then there is the conditional will. These are the desires that God wants to do, but he will not do until someone prays. He will not do it. There are things that he wants to give you that he will not give you unless you pray. There is a, an experience. Your, your life can be a certain experience, but it will not be that. Unless you pray. I'm going to unpack that in more detail. But before I do that, I want to share a glimpse. This is just a glimpse of how much he loves you. Just a glimpse. When you see him for real, unfiltered by this physical world, your brain is going to explode. This is just a glimpse. In Psalms 139, verse 1 through 4, it says this. You have examined my heart. Now, when I say the words my and me, this is the psalmist seeing a glimpse of what he does and how he sees us, but he's writing in the first person. So every time you hear the word my, it's talking about you and me as well. Romans chapter 2 verse 11. He has no favorites. So listen to this. You have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts when I am afar off. You see me when I travel. You know, you see me when I travel and also when I am at home resting. 
You know everything that I do. You know every word I am going to say even before I say it. Do you know how much he has to pay attention to you in order to know every thought you think? When you sat down in your seat, he saw you sit down. In three hours when I'm done preaching and you stand up, he will see you stand up. When you get in your car and you see, he sees everything, every word you say, before you say it, he heard it in your thoughts. So with a God who threw stars in the air and created planets with a thought, and he knows what you're thinking... If you're anything like me, you have thought at least once. If you already know what I'm going to say. If you already know what I need. Why do I need to pray? If you're sovereign, then why do I need to pray? Because his conditional will is the category of his desire... That doesn't get released until you pray. Most of you know the end of this scripture. It's in James chapter 4 verse 2. If you know it, finish it. You have not because you... Say it real loud. You have not because... You ask not. If you don't ask, you don't receive. He's making it abundantly clear. At a certain point, I might dive into the study to find out how many times in the Bible the words, if you, are in there. If you do not forgive others, Matthew chapter 6 verse 15, I will not forgive you of your sins. If you. See, God desires things that will not happen unless someone prays. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. It says that God desires that all men are saved and have the knowledge of truth. Well, there are a lot of people who have already died and are in hell right now. In hell for 2,000 years it's been since Jesus died on the cross. Over the last 2,000 years, a lot of people have died and gone to hell. How can that be if the Lord desires that all men are saved? Because he has a desire, but it's linked to a prayer. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you... Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you believe that, I'm sorry, it says it like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But it's if you. There's a lot of if you's. If you. It's contingent. This, there's also another contingency linked to obedience. See, oftentimes we want to say, you know what, God loves me, He cares for me, there's the mercy of God, the grace of God, I can live any way I want to, 
God is good. God is great. But that's not really what's in the Bible when it comes to living holy and for God. God is not a genie in a bottle that got rubbed 2,000 years ago and now he's out floating and you can just anytime you want pay attention to him and expect him to come through for you. He is not Azul. <laughs> Isn't that in, in, in is it the, the Disney movie thing? Anyway. Let me get back to the Bible. I don't know much about Disney. <laughs> it, in the, watch this. In um, Peter, Peter chapter 1 verse 14, it says, Do not slip back into your former ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Don't slip back into that former way of living. Don't slip back into it. For you did not know any better then. Verse 15, be holy in every aspect of your life. What does holy mean? Does holy mean perfect? Eh, wrong. Try again. Holy means to be separate. I am separate from this lifestyle. I am separate from this set of attitudes. I am separate. I am separate. He's saying be separate. Devote yourself to me. And let me just encourage you. The mercy of God forgives you. The grace of God strengthens you so you don't do it again. Are you with me? Because we will look at God like we look at our diets. I'm not even going to start a diet because I know as soon as that chocolate cake hits it, I'm going to eat it. So I'm not even going to start. A lot of people think that way with God. I'm not even going to ask for forgiveness because I already know I'm going to do it again. This is when we say, God, I need your grace. Give me the strength. And, and grace seems to, to build over time. It seems to build over while you pray. It seems to build. You don't just go from, I'll never do it again. Although that does happen with some people in certain areas of their life. But in most cases, over time, you begin to hate the things that God hates and love the thing that God loves. It, it, it Over time. And that's a necessary progression because it's linked to your obedience is linked to his conditional will of God. It's the conditional will. I'll give you an example. Uh, Jesus, I'm sorry, the Lord told uh, um, uh, Adam and Eve and said, do not eat from this tree. If you, there it is again. If you eat from that tree, you will die. You can eat whatever you want. You can eat whatever. Just not from this tree. What do they do? <sighs> Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Eve. Really appreciate everything that you've brought into the world by opening up that door. If you. The consequences have been monumentous. Is that a word? Monumental. Thank you. I need my wife next to me every second. Monumental. Why? Because he said, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And they did it. Here's a question that we all must wrestle. If there is a conditional will of God, things that will only happen when I pray, 
And there is an unconditional will that's going to happen either way. How do we know which is which? Are you with me? Say yes. If it's already going to happen, why do I even need to pray about it? Well, there's two ways you figure out whether or not his will is conditional. It's hinging on your participation or if it's going to happen anyway. Two ways. Number one is there's this book that's an old-fashioned book, but it's still living and active. And in that book, it tells you which is which. It tells you. And if you want to start a habit today, just tell yourself, I'm not a great reader of the Bible, but I will read at least one chapter a day in the Old Testament and the New Testament. One chapter in the Old, one chapter in the New. I'm not a professional theologian. I'm not Moses. I'm not Abraham. But I'm going to read one in the no, one in the New, one in the Old. And if you get really fancy, you read a proverb a day. There's only 31 problems, 31 days in the week. Sorry, month. Some of you are like, okay, you lost me. Because in there, it tells you these things. It tells you which is which, which saves you a lot of time and brings a lot of peace. This is going to happen anyway. Ooh, this one depends on me praying, so therefore I will. Pray. Let me give you a scripture to support this idea. In John chapter 15, verse 7, it says this. If you remain, if you, there's a lot of if you's. You got to be careful with that word though. If you, if you remain in me you continue to pursue me you're not going to be perfect so forget about that don't think about what god is not thinking about he knows you're not going to be perfect he knows that you are made from dust psalms 103:14 he knows you're made from dust he sees your frame so get perfection out of your mind Anytime you beat yourself up for sinning or making a mistake, it's not from God. So there's only one other option. So tell him to shut up. Are you with me? Say yes. I forgot what I was talking about. If Thank you. Man, you're saving me, Allie. I love my wife. All right. In, in John chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If you remain in me, if you continue to pursue me, And my words remain in you. You shall receive whatever you ask for. It's this pursuit of him. And I'm going to continue to read your word. And when you find a a verse that you really like, I'm going to memorize that one. But you're constantly kind of feasting on it, trying to figure out, What is his unconditional will? What is his will? What are the things that he says, you are going to receive this, period. If you do this, you will receive this. You begin to discover new dimensions of God when you open up that word. It's like a a, a waiter at a restaurant and you have an empty glass of tea, which Bad news in Texas. You need sweet tea, you need it like yesterday. And he or she comes up to the table and says, would you like a refill? 
What you say next determines whether or not you are going to get a refill. It is an offer that is contingent upon what you are about to say. If you say, nah, no tea for you. No soup for you. No tea for you. If you say, yes, yes, I, I do want some tea. And they say, unsweet. And you go, don't talk to me in those ugly words. <laughs> Sweet. What you say next determines whether or not you receive what the waitress or waiter is offering you. Everyone say, I got that. And so you get those words in you because there's certain words that compel God to move. Certain words laced with humility. I need you. I desire you. There's no one else like you. Which leads me to my next point. There are two ways you figure out whether or not it's a conditional will or an unconditional will. The first one is you just read and all of a sudden it just pops out. Don't look at that Bible and say, 3,000 pages? There's no way. Forget about that. That chapter right there is what I'm reading today. That's it. That's it. Look, there was only one Moses. Give up trying. You're you're not going to be Moses. Be you. Read that one chapter and go, okay, I got that. Sometimes you're like, that was the best chapter in the world. Sometimes you're going to close the Bible and go, I don't even remember what I read. Just read the chapter. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. So you discover what's conditional and unconditional. First by reading. And then second, how you pray. Anyone say, how you pray. Say it, say it, say how you pray. I'll go back to the waiter and waitress thing. Would you like a refill of tea? Yes. I've been waiting for an hour. You have no idea what's going to be in that tea (laughs) along with that ice. No idea. Let me just tell you, if you ever want to be rude to a waiter or waitress, and you shouldn't ever, but don't do it before you get your food. They touch your food before you touch your food. I was a professional waiter. I waited at 21 restaurants between the ages of 16 and 18. 21! You might say, why 21? It was only a two-year period. Things happen. Things happen. Some of those, some of those managers, they're so picky. They're so picky. It's like, you're late again. Frankie, you're fired. I know, I know, I know. Honest to God, I had a, 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 a Honda Civic hatchback with 7 million miles on it. And I, if you opened up the hatchback, you would see Casa Olay apron, Caraba's apron, Chili's apron. I had so many aprons, I had to dig through them to find out which one I was wearing that day. True story. So God can do anything with anybody. If you have a child that's kind of... Just be patient. It's nothing but a rough patch. It's a rough patch. 
It's a rough patch. I know it's hard on parents. My dad took all, everything I own, all that I own, and put it in the driveway. Everything I own, every sock, every pair of underwear, every shirt, everything in the driveway. I pulled up in my Honda Civic hatchback with one gallon of gas because I only bought one dollar at a time. I show up. What's going on here? My dad said, I told you to clean your room. You didn't clean your room. So I cleaned your room. It's, your room is really clean. You should see it. <laughs> if you have a son or a daughter that is just acting wacko, it's a rough patch. Be patient. And pray. You're welcome. And pray. <laughs> pray. Pray, pray, pray. Why? Because it is part of the conditional will of God. Your future for your children is part of the conditional will of God. It's part of the conditional will. It's his desire. Watch this. Let me link these two scriptures. Earlier I said 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. It says this. That it is his desire that all men are saved and women. All men are saved and have the knowledge of God. That's his desire. Isaiah 44 3. This, none of this is in your notes. I'm preaching a different sermon. But hopefully I'll come back home. Isaiah 44 3 says that he, God, will pour water on him who is thirsty and will flood the dry ground and pour, pour his anointing on his offspring and bless his descendants. Is there anyone thirsty? Because that's where it starts. I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Back to the waiter and waitress. Thank you, Jesus. When the waitress comes up and says, would you like a refill? Everything hinges on whether or not you ask. And sometimes there's a gap between seeing the waiter or waitress and you having the opportunity to ask. Sometimes you ask and then they go to lunch and you're like, I asked 20 minutes ago, where's my tea? If you stand up and storm out of the restaurant, guess who's not getting tea? If you sit there and you flip the table over and you start yelling, you're still in the restaurant. Your attitude is so bad. Nobody's bringing you tea. How you ask. You say... All praying is good praying, yes, but all praying is not the same praying. There's communion with the Lord. At the end of the last verse in 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, In all your ways have communion with the Holy Spirit. Communion is talking. It's having a relationship. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 1.5 it says, Don't ever stop praying. You're just constantly communion, talking. But then, everybody say, but then, real loud, but then, come on, even the cool people do it. But then, but thank you. But then there are situations, needs that are desperate. We're just talking with the Lord is just not going to cut it. How many people know what I'm talking about? This is the time where you... Remember James chapter 5 verse 16 where it says the fervent
fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, if it's something that on a desire scale, it's kind of down here. Like when you say you're praying over your fruit, your fruit loops or you're, you're praying over a Cinnabon and you say, God bless this unto my body. It's going in as a Cinnabon, it's going to land as broccoli. Bless it. <laughs> Bless it under my body. Like, you're, it's wonderful that you're acknowledging him and he appreciates it. But how desperate are you that it's going to be blessed under your body? Bless it under my body! That's not, it's on the important scale, it's down here. You're honoring him for providing food. But when the importance of your prayer is a ten, it's not a one, it's a ten. You just lost your job and you need to put food on the table. You just found out a bad report from the doctor. Your marriage is being held together with duct tape and super glue and a prayer. Those kind of prayers you don't pray the same way as you prayed for your Cinnabon. Lord, would you just open up a door so that I can feed my children? No. Lord, I have cancer. If it's your will... If it's your will, whoever taught that sometimes he wants to heal you and sometimes he don't, that's just crazy theology. I'm chasing a rabbit, so I'm not going to spend time here. Well, why doesn't everyone get healed? This is very important. Write it down. I don't know. Write it down, circle it, highlight it. That's from the Lord. I don't know. It should be in the Bible. I don't know. But you can't blame him for not wanting to do it. You can't blame, like, don't blame. Just say, I'm a human being and there's a lot of things I don't know. And just leave it at that. If they get healed, the glory goes to God. If they don't go heal, get healed, I don't know. Are you with me? Say yes. How you pray. How you pray. Do you pray consistently? And this is how I want to end this sermon because I'm already over time. When you pray, you have to pray like your life depends on it. Because it does. Like your life depends on it. And it has nothing to do with eloquency. Everything to do with passion. Everything to do with fervency, if you want to use the biblical term. If you want to say, Jesus, 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 79 times, you're probably not going to find a more eloquent prayer than that one. Here's the scripture. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6. Those of you who pray, give yourself no rest and give God no rest. Until he completes his promise. Would you put your hands together for that? I want to share a really cool testimony. Take a, take a look at this. Hey, I've been coming to Celebration for about 11 years. My husband and I that got married um, years ago, we've been coming for six and a half years. 
I've been having trouble with my lungs, had uh, several x-rays. Um, I've been very skeptical about healings here because that's not how I grew up. And so basically, um, I had had an x-ray, um, showed that my lungs were clear because my doctor thought I had walking pneumonia. I had another one six or eight months later, and same reason, but it came back and it showed that I had the beginnings of COPD. Frankie is there in message. First time we've been back in church since the long hiatus with COVID. And basically, he has a calling at the end of the service that says, anybody has something with their right ear, come down. Does anybody have a left lung issue? Come down. Well, my husband and I looked at each other. Our eyes got big as saucers. I said, I'm going down. And he's pushing me out of the aisle as I am going. So I go down, and Frankie takes my hand. He says, squeeze my hand if you feel anything. And he starts praying over me. And I tell him, I said, I had the beginnings of COPD in my mind. So he's praying for me, and all of a sudden, I feel the Holy Spirit just rain down over me. It was just like standing under the rain shower in your shower, just starting at the top of my head all the way down to my feet. So I squeezed Frankie's hand. He says, are you feeling something? I said, I feel the Holy Spirit raining down on me. He says, awesome. He said, he finishes up his prayer, and he goes to the next person. I go back, and my husband gives me a big hug, and... You know, a few days later, I go to see a pulmonologist. He sends me, um, he tells, says, well, we're going to do a few things. We're going to do breathing tests and stuff, and I want to see you back in a month. Here's orders for x-rays. I want you to do an x-ray in a month. So I go, I get my x-ray. I go to see him. I'm sitting in his office, and he says, look, look at this. No abnormalities in your lung. And I started crying. And he's like, what's the matter? I thought you'd be happy. And I said, I am. I said, God healed me. My pastor prayed over me. God healed me. He's like, praise God. And it's a praise God for me. It's a huge praise God moment. So praise God. Thank you, Frankie. You're an amazing pastor. Thank you for being my intermediary. Thank you, God, for this healing. I can't thank you enough. Stand up and give him a standing ovation. We love you, Jesus. Come on, give it to him. He deserves it. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You know, I've, I've known Judy for 11 years. Uh, I, I, um, eight years ago, uh, I had the honor of officiating the wedding of her and her husband, Randy. And, and what I love about that testimony is even though she loves me, she loves celebration, she knows I love her, she was still skeptical of everything she was seeing. And when you're, you're in a safe place, and if you stay at celebration long enough, this will become your family. It's not a church, it's your family. You, you feel safe enough to be honest and transparent. And just say, I don't know that I'm believing this. I'm trying to. That's all I ask. Is just say, I ask two things for those of you who are skeptical. One, just say, I hope it's real. Because don't you? Like, think about it. it if God is not doing miracles... That means none of us have any hope. If you have sickness or illness or someone you love has cancer and you don't believe in miracles, what a horrible place to be.
If your marriage is falling apart right underneath your feet like sifting sand, and you don't believe that God does miracles, what hope do you have? So I think we all have in common, we want to believe that God still does what he did in the Bible. Like we want to. Are you with me? Say yes. Like you want to believe that. Are you with me? Come on, put your hands together. You want to believe that. And and the Lord, the Lord does not penalize or hold back miracles just because you're wanting it to be true, but you're not sure if it is. I, I just saw Shelby over there. The Lord opened up her ear. She was completely deaf in, 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 in her ear. And in those days, we didn't do testimonies on the video. You, you come up here and give it in the microphone. And while she was giving it, I was like, she's going to pray for somebody who's going to have her, their ear open. So uh, someone came down who was deaf in their ear. And I said, Shelby, go pray for it. They're going to get healed. And Shelby was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Never prayed for anybody in my whole life. And now I'm going to pray for a healing. Oh, so her faith is down here. Her anxiety is up here. So she just says, in Jesus' name, ear open. And it opens. Her faith, did you hear that? Her faith is down here. The gentleman she's praying for is like, well, hold up a minute. I don't even know you. I came down for you to pray for me. I don't even know you. His faith is down Her faith is down here. But they're hoping God sees all that and he doesn't go, ah, you don't have enough faith. On the Richter scale, you're a two and you should be an eight. So hope. And then number two, especially for the intellectuals, just keep coming. Because give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to show you something that confirms within you that this is true. Just hope. So this morning, two thoughts came to my mind. And and when it's me talking to me, everybody finds out in the next 30 seconds. Because if nobody raises their hand, then it's like the pastor was talking to himself and he thought it was God. (laughs) That's what happens. And so I have to be willing to just put myself out there and, and... say what I think the Lord said to me. And if nobody raises their hand, that means I was talking to myself. And then I look at all of you and I say, hey, I'm sorry. I was trying to hear from God and and I was mistaking. And then I hope that that encourages you. It stinks for me because I'm like, man, I thought I really heard from you. But it should encourage you. If the pastor thinks he hears from God and then he's realizing sometimes he doesn't, it's okay for me to grow too because that happens to me. And so two things. The first thing was I had two thoughts. And the first one was not a word of, of knowledge, a word of wisdom. But I, actually, I think it was. I, but it's, it's, there's, there's no risk like I just described. I felt like the Lord told me to pray for everybody on the front row. And so if you're on the front row, I want you to come stand shoulder to shoulder because God's going to do some miracles in your life. And I don't know which one because I don't know what your needs are. I just want you to stand shoulder to shoulder right here in a straight line. And, and just think of what God want, you want God to do. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's a healing in your body. Think about it. Um, now, the one that I need to stretch my faith on, it was between services. And I don't know if, if this word is somebody's name 
or if it just feels really significant to you. But you will know something in your spirit will jump and you'll say, that's me. You're talking about me. Maybe it's your name. Maybe it's not your name, but something on the inside of you quickens and you know it's you. And then you can come tell me why that leaped. But the only thing I ask, please, like I'm really taking a big step right now. And and my faith will go up if I really did hear from God. If... If I didn't hear from God, I got to go back to God and say, all right, where did I miss it? But if I did hear from God and you, and you don't come out of your seat (laughs) because you're embarrassed, just know I understand embarrassment and it's a huge step, but you will not be embarrassed. You're not going to have to talk into a microphone. You just come down here and let me pray for you. That's it. That's it. So does the... The word, and it might be a name, might not be a name, China, mean anything to anybody. Is it you? You first. Why does that mean something to you? you've done missionary work in China and you study Chinese okay I need to pray for you what about you your son Logan has been in China for the last two years and he's still there I'm supposed to pray for the both of you the Lord's moving in this room I did not know Logan was in China. I'd like our prayer partners to come down throughout the room and just line up on the uh, on the stage, please. I don't know what your needs are. God knows. God knows. And the Bible says in Psalms 56, 8, the day you call for help, the tide of the battle turns. The day you call for help. The moment you pray, the tide of the battle turns. If you're unsure where you're going to spend eternity, if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, you're the most important person in the room. I want you to come down and take a prayer partner by the hand. Let them pray with you. If you're ashamed of God in front of people, He'll be ashamed of you in front of the Father. So don't let anything keep you. Ushers, we're going to need a lot of help down here, okay, to direct traffic and help people find prayer partners. I love you all so much. Open dismissal. You can leave when you get ready. But let's sing this next song one or two times through before you leave. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May His face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May His face shine down upon you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.